Our sermon passage today is found in Exodus 9. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and your people, so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow, I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as never has been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now therefore send, get your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter, for every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home will die when the hail falls on them. Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven so that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt on man and beast and every plant in the field in the land of Egypt. Then Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire ran down to the earth and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. There was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very heavy hail, such as had never been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hail struck down everything that was in the field in all the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, was there no hail. Then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, This time I have sinned. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Plead with the Lord, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear the Lord God. The flax and the barley were struck down, for the barley was in the ear and the flax was in the bud. But the wheat and the emer were not struck down, for they are late in coming up. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and stretched out his hands to the Lord. And the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain no longer poured upon the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. Amen. You guys may be seated. As you find your seat, let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we come to you this morning in Jesus' name. Indeed, we believe that you are the one true God, that your word is true, and that we need to be led and guided by you. Lord, this morning I pray that by the power of your Spirit, 
you would make your people malleable to your word and eager to follow you, to serve you, to honor you, to love as you have loved, to be merciful as you have been merciful, to be compassionate as you have been compassionate, and to bear much fruit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It is really good to see you all this morning. If you would, please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Exodus in, in chapter 9, uh, where Emmy was just reading for us. Um, here at Redeemer, we are studying through the book of Exodus. And, and in particular, we're in the section of Exodus that, that is thematically called the Ten Plagues, uh, the, the Ten miraculous activities of the Lord to show his power upon Egypt and bring his judgment and deliver his people. You would find those in Exodus chapters 7, 8, 9, and 10. You know, since school has started back, I feel the freedom to give homework at church. And so I've been doing that for the last few weeks. But I really want to ask you... Um, to read these, these four chapters of Scripture as much as you can in the coming weeks, um, Exodus 7, 8, 9, 10. There are these nine plague stories, and they are very similar in nature. So I, I, I could preach like the same sermon nine times over, but, but we've chosen a little different path. And we're going to look at these, the first nine plagues, and we're going to consider uh, some of the, the themes and the truths that are there. And so today's sermon is going to be about Pharaoh and his hard-heartedness toward the Lord and the work of the Lord. And so in a very creative way, I've entitled this sermon, Let's Talk About Pharaoh. Seems to work, right? Here's the main point. Not even the sinful human heart stands, is able to stand in the way of God accomplishing his good purposes for his people. Not even the sinful human heart is able to stand ultimately against the Lord accomplishing his good purposes in his world for his people. And so this is one of those times where uh, we have to be a little bit negative to accentuate the positive. It's one of those times where we have to focus upon the judgment of God against sinfulness and the judgment of God against the enemies of God as a way to magnify and elevate the grace of God extended to us through His Son, Jesus. So today, as we think about the plague stories, we're going to talk about 
So if you want to take notes this morning, the first point is not the main character. Pharaoh is not the main character of this story. God is. I feel like I need to state that quickly or else all of our children's Sunday school teachers are going to start throwing things at me because we've driven into them for so many years so that they would drive into our children that the Bible's about God. The Bible's not about hero making or, or villain making. The Bible's about the Lord. So of the Exodus narrative, God is the hero. God is the savior. God is the deliverer. God is the one who works. God is the one to be worshiped. God is the one to be celebrated. Yet, on almost every single paragraph of these four chapters of the Bible, Pharaoh is talked about. And I do think it would be unwise of us to not ask ourselves the question, why is Pharaoh so prominent in this story? And are there some spiritual truths that we should glean from the role of Pharaoh in this story? They're all secondary to the saving power of God, but they are there. So I am here to argue today that in Pharaoh, there, there are some things for us to see, there are some things for us to learn, and there are some things for us to pray. So while holding firm that the Lord, the one true God, the great I am, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the hero of this narrative, let's ask ourselves, are there some things that we should learn from the work and role of Pharaoh in this story? And lest I bury the lead, apart from Christ, we are all Pharaoh. And as much as I am thankful for faith in Jesus, and a, a regenerated new heart. That root of sinfulness still dwells within me and dwells within us. And Pharaoh should drive us to the Lord in repentance and in faith. Again and again and again. So, second point, great power, great pride. <clears throat> Pharaoh stands in this period of time as the representative of all Egypt. He's the king, the people belong to him, the possessions belong to him, and his decisions affect the entire nation. Beyond that, Pharaoh is pictured as a man of great power who stands in the way of God's work to deliver God's people. We could frame the narrative about the plagues as a conflict between God's plan and Pharaoh's desire. God's plan to deliver his people and Pharaoh's desire to hang on to status quo because it was going quite well for Pharaoh. Pharaoh. 
Throughout the plagues, we see Pharaoh as a man who does not want to repent or to relent or to give in. We see a man of great perceived power with great pride in his status as Pharaoh. We see a man in whom protecting position and protecting possession causes him to stand against God, against God's word, and against God's people. And I believe we could have looked at many of the plague narratives, but today I want us to look at the one Emmy read for us just a few minutes ago. It's the seventh plague. It's found in Romans chapter 9, verse 13. And it's the plague about hail. With it, H-A-I-L. I'm still a redneck at heart. So all throughout the sermon, I'm speaking of hail. With an A and an I. One L. But let's look at this narrative in particular, and let's look at how it frames Pharaoh and what's going on here, and how it shows us that ultimately delivering God's people requires God to move through and tear down the hardened, rebellious heart of Pharaoh. Verse 13, Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him. So go present yourself to Pharaoh because Pharaoh is the representative of Egypt. Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. Now here's what's unique about this particular plague story. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and on your people so that you may know there is none like me in all the earth. So the Lord's saying, I'm directing this directly at you, Pharaoh, because you won't let my people go. This is about your obstinance, your rebellion, your sin, your power, your pride. Verse 15. For by now I could have put my hand, put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Now do you hear what the Lord's saying there? Look, I could have snapped my fingers and in an instant made Egypt go away. Insert your favorite Marvel movie, right? Like, it could be gone. Or if you don't like Marvel, whatever the opposite of Marvel is, whatever. Got it. Okay, boom. It could be gone. But the Lord's saying, I'm not doing that because this is about my name being exalted over your rebellious name. 
This is about my power being displayed over your power. And Pharaoh, this is about you knowing that in your obstinance, you may not stand against the Lord. Pharaoh's going to survive this because he's going to know that the Lord has delivered his people through and above his rebellious being. Verse 17, you are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. So you see what the Lord's saying? He's saying, Pharaoh, it's your your self-exaltation. It's your pride. It's, It's, dare I say, your pompousness that I am going to tear down that you may know that I am the Lord. So then verse 18, Behold, about this time tomorrow I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as never been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. So the plague is coming aimed directly at Pharaoh to display to Pharaoh that his obstinance will not stand in the way of the Lord's work to deliver his people. So in this, we see that ultimately we could frame this narrative as the will of the Lord coming to pass over and above the obstinate, sinful, rebellious heart of Pharaoh. Now, we know that Pharaoh's heart is obstinate and rebellious and sinful by how he continually stands against God, God's word, and God's people. So as I said earlier, there's a a wide chasm between Pharaoh and the heart of, of a Christian. But what I want to drive home to all of us today is that the litmus test of Pharaoh's heart was his firm obstinance against the Lord, the Lord's word, the Lord's directives, and the Lord's people. And I want to convey to all of us who might be hearing this today that a litmus test of our soul and our heart is are we able to respond to the Lord and His Word and His leading and His will for His people? Obstinance is always a sin issue. And the people of Jesus, empowered and indwelt by the Spirit, the Scripture says, have been given a new heart, a heart of flesh that is responsive to the Lord and responsive to His Word and responsive to His will and responsive to His directives. So I just want to ask you, will will you do a little self-assessment here? If I had the mind of the Lord about the state of my soul, would I see obstinance 
Lord, I see a soft, responsive spirit. Now, I am hopeful that we in this room and, and perhaps through our live stream have people engaging with this message who, who are, are perhaps far from the Lord or trying to figure out what it means to walk with the Lord or trying to figure out what it looks like to be a Christian. And I would just say to you that, that the Lord is not assessing any of us based on our outward performance as much as he is assessing us based upon our responsiveness to his word and to his leadership and to his character and to who he really is and how we respond to him. And then I'll just, this one's not in my notes, so when I go off the script, things get dangerous. But let, let's just go one more step here. So what happens in verse 19 and 20 and 21 is the Lord says, so if you believe me that the, the hail is coming to destroy everything, go home and put your livestock away. And those who did, had living livestock, and those who didn't had dead livestock. And I think this fits with a very biblical theme that we know the state of our heart by how we respond to the word of the Lord. Faith moves toward obedience. The Lord very easily could have said, and all who trust me internally will have their cattle saved. But that's not what he said. He said, go and put your cows away. When we get to the Passover narrative here in a few weeks, he doesn't say all those who are faith will have their home passed over, but he says all those who put the blood on the doorpost. And so I think there is this particularly helpful theme in the Old Testament that moves into the New that says, those who trust the Lord move toward obedient following of the Lord. So Pharaoh was blinded by his great power and his great pride. And the Lord was entering in to tear it down. So if you want to be an astute Bible reader, you might ask the question, well, why was this true? Of Pharaoh. And that moves to our third point this morning. A hardened heart. Why is Pharaoh acting in this manner? The narrative gives us a biblical phrase to summarize Pharaoh. And what it tells us is Pharaoh was acting from a hardened heart. Heart. Let's keep going through the narrative. Verse 27. After the, the plague came, Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, This time I've sinned. The Lord is right. Save us. I'm going to go through this in the Mosley uninspired version. And so Moses says, Well, as soon as I leave the city, I'll make the plague go away. But I know that you don't truly fear the Lord. So Moses went out from the city, stretched out his hands. The thunder and the hail ceased. The rain no longer poured upon the earth. 
But look at verse 34 of chapter 9. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned again and hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. So Pharaoh is acting against the Lord because of his hardened heart. So a hardened heart acts out in disobedience and standing against the Lord. So we can say definitively that it was from a hardened heart that Pharaoh would not hear and receive and respond to the Lord. Now let's put on our outreach, evangelism, missions hat here, okay? Why are our friends who are far from Jesus walking in rebellion against the Lord? Because of hardened hearts, dead that only the Lord can make alive. And this is why such activities of inviting folks to Jesus has to break through church attendance and giving and participation in studies and activities that we do for the Lord. It has to break to who am I before the Lord? Now, there's a part of me that would love to just kind of stop right there and put a nice tidy bow on it and say, great message, trust the Lord, pray to the Lord, go. Particularly since I can't see any of your facial expressions this morning, it's going to make the rest of this a little dicey for me, but we're going to do it, okay? Um, the passage actually pushes us to consider something a little further. And because the passage pushes us there, I'm going to push us there. I'm not interested in theological agendas, and I'm not interested in camps and flags and beating people over the head for what adjectives we put in front of Christian. But when a passage pushes us to a hard place, we're going to go to the hard place. So this leads to one more question. Why was Pharaoh's heart hardened? Why was Pharaoh's heart hardened? And the book of Exodus gives us two answers to this question. And I promise you that they, if you love logic and science and everything in your world is a true-false exam, I'm going to anger you for the next ten minutes, okay? But the Scripture doesn't always work like that. The Scripture is logical. The Scripture is truthful. But often it pulls us into things that we can't totally explain. So the book of Exodus gives us two realities about Pharaoh's hard heart. Ten times it says that Pharaoh's heart is hard because God hardened it. And ten times it says that Pharaoh's heart was hard because Pharaoh hardened. I'm here to contend that both are true, and they both teach us something really important about the Lord and His Word and His grace, and I want you to go there with me. So two examples. 
of those 20 that I just mentioned, Exodus chapter 4, verse 21. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Exodus chapter 7, verses 13 through 14 on the other list of 10. Still Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people. So Pharaoh's heart was hardened because Pharaoh was sinfully in rebellion against the Lord. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened because God was intentionally using Pharaoh's hard heart to accomplish his purposes of delivering his people and showing his power even over Pharaoh and even over the heart of Pharaoh. So this leads us to to three takeaways about the human condition in light of this difficult theological conundrum. Number one, humans are responsible for the hardness of their hearts. Humans are responsible for the hardness of their hearts. Hearts. Pharaoh was morally and spiritually and eternally responsible for the hardness of his heart. The scripture would actually teach us that he was born dead in his sin. He was born with a heart in rebellion against the Lord. And he actively walked in hardness. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1, 2, and 3 would give us a New Testament parallel to what I'm talking about. Where we are told that we are born dead in our sin, walking around in our deadness, carrying out our deadness. This is the hardness of heart into which all humans are born. Humans are responsible for the hardness of their hearts. There's no one who has ever stood under the judgment and condemnation of God who didn't deserve it and didn't willfully choose rebellion. Now, a lot of Christians would stop there, but we would be missing a really important point. Number two, God is involved in the state of the human heart. God is involved in the state of of the human heart. Often these spiritual realities are talked about in this way like like the Lord doesn't mess with the heart. We're independent free beings who make reality for ourselves and God just kind of leaves the heart for us to decide what it is and that doesn't square with what the Lord says about himself in the scripture. 10 times in the Exodus narrative God says, "I will harden Pharaoh's heart." Romans chapter 9, verses 17 and 18 actually reflect on this very story and say this. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, and it quotes Exodus chapter 9, verse 14. For this very purpose I raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then... 
He has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. So do you hear what Paul's saying there? He's saying if the Lord doesn't work in and through the state of the human soul and the human heart, then the Lord can't put mercy in there. And the Lord can't put grace in there. And the Lord can't put redemption in there. And the Lord can't put new life in there. So for us to ever talk about there is any domain of humanity where the Lord doesn't work, we are not being faithful to the Scripture. The Lord says, I'm involved in the state of the human heart. Okay, pastor, so are you saying that it's God's fault that Pharaoh sinned? No, I'm not saying that at all. That would be a very unbiblical reality. But I'm saying in the mystery of God's providence, he uses the totality of humanity and the totality of human being, including the heart of man, to accomplish his purposes in such a way that his, his people are redeemed, that those who, re, who are hardened against him continue to walk in their deadness and ultimately will be rightfully judged for the hardness, but yet he's using all of that to orchestrate a tapestry where in the end he is faithful, he is redeemer, he is Lord, his people are exalted, his name is exalted, and All who cry out to the Lord for mercy have found his mercy because he graciously gave mercy. And all who are judged and condemned are condemned because they freely chose to rebel. And the Lord providentially orchestrates all of that for his good. And so the Exodus Exodus narrative is here to show us that God is just as in control of the heart of Pharaoh as he is the heart of Moses. That there is no realm in the reality where the Lord steps back and says, I don't exert my providence over my creation. So we started this by saying, Walking through these difficult pathways will cause us to elevate mercy. So, How does it cause us to elevate mercy? Let's all look at Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, hold on, hold on. I got to go backward. Can I go backward? Is that okay? I'm going to go backward. If you say, okay, well, how does the Lord do all that, that orchestrating of the good and the bad, that orchestrating of the the righteousness and the evil? Please read Romans chapter 1. Please read Romans chapter 1. The Lord exerts his providence through giving hardened hearts the very thing they desire, which is the freedom to be hardened. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, 
to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Do you hear what's being said there? The Lord gives hardened Pharaohs over to hardness to live out their hardness. And in giving them over, he's using that to weave out and accomplish his purposes. Now, I said all of this was intended to elevate the the great mercy of the Lord. And so I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 1, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you hear what Paul just said? The Lord reached into the deadness and said, I will be merciful. I will make life come to know my son. Redemption is elevated in the fallenness and the hardness of the world that is set against the Lord. And there is no place in all the earth that is too far for the Lord to reach in and change and redeem. So friends, I know we Christians talk about Bible reading and prayer like the the throwaways to make us feel spiritual. Friends, Prayer matters when the Lord changes hearts. Are you burdened for a people group on the other side of the globe? Our hope is that the Lord changes hearts. Are you burdened for the suffering in our city? both for those who are causing the suffering and those who sit under the weight of the suffering, our hope is in the Lord who changes hearts. Are are you ready to think about systems that need to be changed so that love and mercy can win? Our hope is in the Lord who changes mass groups of people's hearts so that systems can be transformed. Do you roll over in bed at night and look at the person sitting on the other, laying on the other side of the bed and wonder, will he or she ever change? Our hope is in the Lord who changes hearts. The heart of Pharaoh was no threat to God. The Lord changes hearts. 